You're listening to Work Tape, episode 33. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Work Tape. I'm your host, Isaac Grover, and with me is Christina Lafferty, another host of ours who is very knowledgeable in voice and singing and everything, pretty much music. I mean, isn't that basically true? Maybe not everything. I know a lot, but you know where I sorely lack and I want to get better is jazz and gospel piano. That stuff is gnarly and I don't understand it whatsoever, but it's amazing. I thought you had a good grasp on jazz. Not really. I mean, I like to sing it. There's no way I could like I don't understand jazz chord progressions or anything like that. That's really where I want to like expand next because it's very useful. And I think it makes you a better musician understanding that. So I I like, I I know a a good amount of jazz music. I just can't really play it. Maybe it was blues that I knew that you kind of liked, right? I do like blues. Okay. I don't even know a whole ton of blues music, but I do like blues. Like I love old blues. I love rock that's based on blues, like good old 60s rock. That stuff is the best. <laughs> it was actually you who kind of got me listen, uh, listening more closely to like Led Zeppelin, stuff like that. Mm. So good. <laughs> and I, you know, I didn't realize how big of a Beatles head you were till I got to know you better. Yes. I do love the Beatles. In fact, I couldn't decide for a long time who was my favorite band, Led Zeppelin or the Beatles. And I would go back and forth. And then I was like, whatever, they're both my favorite. I have landed on the Beatles being my favorite, but I mean, they're both up there. Both bands are great and they're so different. Yeah, the Beatles, it's funny because they were, they were at the time. I mean, don't get me wrong. They still did things that were familiar then but they also did a lot of different things that set them apart and because of that being set apart they were quote-unquote a different band for the time but you know they've been cemented in in our uh in our music's history popular music that is for such a long time now i guess you could say more than a few decades a long time yeah but now it's basically it's a well-known sound now. Hmm. Yeah. At the same token, when you go to revisit a lot of Beatles stuff and not just like their hits, you know, like actually listen to their, I like to call them pocket tracks because they're kind of in the pocket, like not in pocket as as far as rhythm and groove, but in the pocket as in no one really looks in the pockets. That's true. That's yeah. That's a good way to describe it. So if you listen to their pocket tracks, they're pretty diversified. You know, they, there's a lot of, change there's a lot of there are a lot of ups and downs and there there's so much dynamic um i think what i liked about beatles was their dynamics not dynamic range as far as vocals but like their dynamics like the moodiness that's what i liked dynamically of the beatles Mm. yeah yeah i could agree with you on that because you have songs like I mean, you have their their hits, their more rocky song. Well, rocky for them. They were not hard rock whatsoever by any stretch. But yeah, they're more upbeat songs. And then you have just like really laid back, just really nice sounding songs like Mother Nature's Son. And it's just so different from like 
what's that song by John Lennon, Feel So Lonely, I'm Gonna Die or whatever. It's, I don't remember how it goes or what it's called. But yeah, where it's very blues rock and it's John Lennon screaming his heart out as he does so well. I think that's on the White Album. I think both songs are on the White Album. And yeah, then you have Mother Nature's Son and they are so drastically different. Also on White Album, you have the song Honey Pie, which is the worst song ever by the Beatles. And I think we agree. I think most people yeah. agree that is the absolute worst Beatles track of all time. It's so bad. And that's very different for them. That's like very, um, I don't know, 30s, 20s, 30s era. <laughs> like based on that, I'm like, what is this? This is a weird, but I think if I were a music critic back then, I would have torn it to shreds. So, oh, absolutely. I mean, I still do now, but like, I really would have torn it to shreds and complained about how it was, it was old hat or just way, it's just played out. I probably would have said something like that. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Oh, the song by uh, the John Lennon screaming one is called Your Blues, Y E R. And literally right after that song, I don't think I realized this, is Mother Nature's Son. So it's a huge contrast from one to the other. Then you have like a couple tracks later, you have Sexy Sadie, which is kind of different. It's more laid back. And that song, Radiohead, kind of ripped off that song for um, Karma Police. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I've always felt like that was the most Beatles-esque track by Radiohead. Yes. And I think everyone kind of knew it. You could hear it. You could totally hear that. In there. In fact, you can even hear what's the one? It's I know I'm thinking it's a hard day's night. No, I'm thinking of hard day's night. What's the name of that one? No, no, don't don't say it. Don't say it. it I know because I play it all the time and I totally forgot the name. It's off Sergeant Peppers. You know, don't say the name, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's a I heard the news today, oh boy. I'm trying to I don't know why I can't oh day in a life. So day in a life. That was the best John Lennon impersonation I have ever heard. That was spot on. I heard the news today. Oh, boy. <laughs> I wasn't really even trying. I was just trying to, like, get the, the, the tone the best I could. And it it just, was good. That is funny. No, I love that's that song. That's a great song. That's a great album. But, yeah, that's a very good song. Yeah, and, and I can't look. It's been overstated. I, whatever, or understated. But I think it's been overstated of how good of a song that is. And so... Yes. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not the first one to say that, no. But I really like that track. And I hear a lot of that in Karma Police. Mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, more so instrumentally and attitude-wise. Okay. Yeah, it's so interesting. I, I remember listening to Karma Police and I hear this chord progression... Um, on the part where they're like, look at what you've done or whatever. And then I'm like, where have I heard this chord progression before? And I'm like, this is literally sexy Sadie, like same chord progression, but it's cool. Like they were able to take that same progression and make it into a a different song. Like it is Beatles-esque, but it's not the Beatles, it's Radiohead. And so, yeah, they were good. Radiohead. Oh, totally. Very creative. (laughs) Very, very interesting. When have we not talked about them? I know. They're all so overstated for good reason. (laughs) I think for good reason. I think Garrison was mentioning that 
there's a reason why we kind of, in a way, they are the Beatles of our generation. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're the Beatles of our generation in how different they are from everyone else, from everything else going on at the time. They're very creative. I think probably maybe that's a natural musical progression. Like the Beatles went so far and then broke up and then Radiohead kind of picked up and like went even weirder. Yeah, they're kind of that band where they're underrated, they're overrated. You know, I mean, their status is similar to the Beatles. Like you can't overstate how classic they are, but then you can. And people like, we don't want to hear it anymore. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, oh, we got it. (laughs) No, but I, I, I guess it's hard. Here's where I'm understating it. I can't stress enough how good of a band they are slash were, you know? Yeah. Their stuff is timeless. It's really, yeah. whenever you listen to a Radiohead track, it feels pretty futuristic. It does. That's a really good way to put it. Absolutely. I think when it comes to bands like that, there's so much that you can talk about that there's almost nothing you can talk about. Like it's almost overwhelming. And maybe that's where the overstating, understating thing comes in because it's like, you can talk all day about like, oh, they do this, they do this, but then you're just repeating yourself and you almost have to come to the point where you're like, they're just great. Like they're just a great band. And yeah, that doesn't go far enough, but yeah, they're one of those bands for sure. So speaking of overstating, Mm -hmm. do you think you could overstate Rihanna's significance? Wow. That's hard. I think um, maybe you could, but I think the problem with, pop singers is people don't analyze them the same way. Oh, yeah. No, the way that we scrutinize bands. Right. Exactly. Like, I think you you don't hear a whole lot of people going through and being like, oh, look at this, what Rihanna's doing, because a lot of the people listening to her aren't even listening to her for that same reason. They're not listening to her because they're music heads. They're listening to her because they like the beat. They just, you know, it's maybe not background noise to them, but hard to explain but I think she's really iconic for this generation I mean she's been going quite a while now I don't remember even when Umbrella came out I can't remember if I was in high school or if I was in college and she has been popular ever since then she's been able to keep her style um yeah I guess sort of signature style going it works for her and I don't know how even influential she is in pop just because I don't, it's easier for me to see influence in the genres of rock than it is for me to see influence in the genre of mainstream pop. But I'm sure that she probably is pretty influential. I mean, you have other singers who kind of are emulating that Rihanna or Sia-esque sound. She's definitely one of the biggest artists Still, you know, still one of the biggest artists, sorry, still one of the biggest artists in, (laughs) artists, right? One of the (laughs) biggest artists in the world. Fun fact, she's 18 on Spotify. Who knows when that's going to change, but bottom line. Wow. Yeah. Okay. She's pretty high up. You know who the biggest, like, older person on Spotify is? Who? Elton John. I love that. That, that's (laughs) not surprising. He is also timeless. I hope that never changes. (laughs) I think it's his collaborations with like gorillas. Who else did he collaborate with? He collaborated with the gorillas. Oh, totally. Yeah. No, he collaborated with gorillas. There's this other dude he collaborated with. I want to pull it up right now. Okay. Because this is a podcast and I guess everyone has their laptops on them. So right. I'm going to pull this up right now. 
Yeah. While you're finding that, speaking of collaborations, I guess this is telling of how big Rihanna is, is that you had her collaborating with Paul McCartney. Like, that's kind of huge. Yeah. The fact that that is a big one. I mean, that's a pretty big one. I mean, that's yeah. like, that's actually bigger than I, I hate pitting people against. Actually, in a way, I kind of do. It's kind of fun because I like to talk about <laughs> fans. I like to compare them like. I don't know. I just like stuff like that. It's just fun, but I don't take it too seriously. Yeah. But yes, you would easily. Actually, I take that back. I would say Elton John as a solo artist obviously trumps over Paul McCartney. Mm. But when it comes to the Beatles, the Beatles trump Elton John. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, Elton John's fabulous. Like he would use the word fabulous. I think you're right. <laughs> he oh, he was fabulous for sure. He was fabulous on a level that Freddie Mercury was fabulous. Oh, he yeah, it was Lil Nas X. I know he's done something with him. Oh, interesting. I like him too. Well, I haven't heard a lot by Nas X, but I like Old Town Road. <laughs> that song is just it's everyone so can great. hear me rolling my eyes right now. But it's but you know what's funny is is it's true. <laughs> that was my snog coming out, and I wasn't trying to put you down. I was just saying no, you're fine. it's not my cup of tea. Oh no, I I feel that. I think it's not most people's cup of tea. It's so cringy, and I, I love every moment of it. You know what? I, you have self awareness. You are different than. I have to say most people, but at the same token, um, I I kind of disagree. I feel like a lot of people love that track. Oh, I love it. No, I absolutely do. Like when I say cringy, it's not it's not cringy like it actually makes me cringe. It's just weird. Like it's a weird song, and I'm like, this is so bizarre and it should not work, but I love every second of it. Do you like it ironically or unironically? Oh no, like Unironically, I love that song. I will listen to it on repeat. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that track. I think it's just one of those where I'm like, yeah, this is this is awesome. I love every second of it. <laughs> if you were to have a guilty pleasure list, would that be on it? Yeah. Yeah, that would. I can't think of at the moment of what else would be on that list, but that would be on it. And guilty pleasure, not because I actually feel guilty, but because I feel like people think I should feel guilty. Yeah, no, no. I'm totally playing into the the cliche, you know? I mean, oh, yeah. I don't really believe in a guilty pleasure. If you like something, I'm not going to shame you for it. Even though I totally, in a way, seem like I was. No, I was just saying I really don't like that track, but I, I could totally get it, you know? I mean, I'm not you. And if I were you, I would like that track a lot. Exactly. So it totally makes sense. Yeah. No, I like that. It's kind of like Nickelback with some people. They're like a guilty pleasure, but people really like them. I actually really like Nickelback. Saving Me is a guilty pleasure. That, that's a good one. I like Uh, that track. That one's good. Yeah, I like Nickelback. (laughs) I don't like all their stuff, but yeah, I like, I love that song. Um, The one where they're like, show me what it's like to be the last one standing. Oh, that's Saving Me. Oh, yep. Same song. That's a great song. No, I, I do like that track a lot. Yeah. No, I, I can't remember what I was. You were looking up Elton John collaborations. Yes, I was. And we found out he collaborated with Nas X. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, his uh, his collaboration with Lil Nas X and the fact that he's collaborated with, what was it? Charlie XCX? I can't remember her name. Um, Nope. 
he didn't collaborate, but he did collaborate with Dua Lipa. So yes, that was the one I was thinking. That's right. Of. I didn't like that one. I was not a fan. I'm not a fan of taking like classic songs and making them club songs, especially that was a pretty classic Elton John song that they took. I I'm spacing on the name of it. What was the name of it? I actually wouldn't know. Ah, oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm looking it up now because it's like a classic Elton John song as if any of his songs aren't classic, but it's extra classic, extra classic. Yeah. I'm looking it up right now. There's your title of the show. Extra classic of the episode, yeah. Just <laughs> I like that. Oh, and I think it's going to be a long, long time. Rocket Man, yeah. They like basically took Rocket Man, made it the chorus, and then turned that into a bigger song called Cold Heart. And so it's weird. It's like they're doing the song, and all of a sudden they go into like, so I think it's gonna be a long, long time, and it's like club it's weird it's really weird and like rocket man don't touch rocket man like please it's such a classic but this is my snob coming out probably a lot of people like it oh yeah no dude snobs are gonna our snob is gonna come out so much in this show and that is okay oh yeah (laughs) um it's about being unapologetic of snobbery at the same token trying to be controlled about it yeah exactly trying to be understanding of other people's opinions and whatnot right why (laughs) Why can't people just be like me? No, that the world would be terrible if people were like me. So <laughs> if everyone were all the same. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That would be crazy. Everyone's an idiot except for me. That's that's the way it goes with every person. Right. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Everyone thinks that it's so funny. But yeah, I this idea of of guilty pleasure really doesn't exist in my mind. I just like to play into it. Yeah. Yeah. I. I it's funny because I, I do have a list of them. I just can't, I guess in a way, no, 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 no. Coldplay is not a guilty pleasure of mine, even though they are oh, easy. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm pretty proud about that. That's not something that I'm like nervous to tell people because <laughs> anyone who tells me that I'm an idiot for liking Coldplay, I mean, they're wrong. I'm an idiot for other things, but not for liking Coldplay. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, use use better reasoning there. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how these certain bands even become guilty pleasure bands. Like, how does that even happen? How did that happen with Nickelback? How did that happen with Coldplay? Coldplay's great. Like, you know who else is a guilty pleasure for a lot of people, but he has an amazing voice? I listened to him just the other night. Michael Bolton. Oh, you're right. Everyone loves to hate Michael Bolton. And my aunt sent me a song by him, and I'm like, Man, I always forget how good he is. He's got a great voice. That is interesting. Yeah, I, I don't listen to him, to be honest, but I know of him. Yeah, I never listened to him either. It's not my style of music, that 80s love ballads. That's not my Mm-mm. thing. But no. yeah, yeah, he has a great voice. So, But yeah, he's one of those that people love to hate. And it is interesting how these things happen. Like, I wonder how that becomes like a whole collective thing. You know, come to think of it, I think when I started to like Justin Bieber, it was like my guilty pleasure because when I was younger, I spent so much time trashing on him because, you know, that's what... 
That's what us musicians did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was a total, I, again, I, I'm still a snob, but the way I handled being a snob was different back then. It was more, sure. I used to say the dumbest things, like what was, I still do, but bear with me. There's other dumb stuff I used to say, like, oh, I used to say things like, music all sounds the same, which again, when you get right down into it, that's not true. Music doesn't all right. sound the same. What I was trying to say was there is this particular style of music that is really popular right now, and I don't like it. That's the translation. <laughs> That's fair. That's yeah. fair. And so it, now it's funny because I still could say that. I could still use that, oh, I don't like music today because it all sounds the same. I would, I would still say the same thing. But again, I would translate that for people, the average person. What I'm really trying to say is... Again, what I meant to say, you know, years ago, like, yeah, I just don't like the style of music, but it's popular right now. Right. Well, and I would totally understand what you're saying. And I would actually agree with you that it sounds pretty similar. Yeah, it doesn't all sound the same. Like, it's not the same track, but the style is very repetitive in a lot of this music that becomes popular. I think it's becoming popular for a reason. And I think that's because certain themes are catchy. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, it doesn't all sound the same, but it does sound similar. There's a lot of similarities. And so what you just said is kind of the point is that in order for there to even be a genre, those songs have to sound similar enough to be considered within that genre. Now, I know we've kind of, oh, well, we live in a genreless era. There's no such thing as a genreless song. No, you might impossible. have a hard time. Yeah, that's impossible. It might be difficult to pinpoint what that genre is. It might not be a unified name for it yet. But like music is music. And sure, I know people don't like putting them in boxes. They like to say, well, music is music. Yes, it is. People are people, but each person's different. You know what I mean? It's like there is individuality in art because each human has a certain personality. And so right. I think punk, I don't know. There's so many different subgenres of punk. So let's take Garage punk. No, 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 let's say garage rock. So a band called The Leaves are from California. That's like an old band from the 60s. I would still kind of put The Stooges in garage rock. Okay. But garage rock is known as proto-punk too. It's like the pre-punk era. Nice. But The Leaves and The Stooges sound similar enough to each other where they're within the same genre more or less, right? But then they also sound different enough where these are The Leaves, but these are The Stooges. Oh, nice. I wouldn't know. You know a lot more about that than I do. I, I like that stuff. It's it's that weird. It's misfit stuff. You know, I like misfits. I love that. Not okay. Well, I'm not. I'm not big on the band. I actually do like misfits. It's a little too. Um, what's the word? Like gothic or it's not gothic. It's like horror rock. Uh, there are some elements of the misfits where, like, I don't really like. <laughs> this is going to sound weird. Like, wait, how can you not like music that's themed? All music has themes. That's true. But with Misfits, the skulls and like the horror thing, that's part of the theme. And I'm not really big on music that always is like playing a caricature of something. Sure, like overly thematic. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Cure style. Like I might like the Cure as a band, but I'm not big on the dressing up with like, I mean, first off, I am black. So it's really hard for me to like dress in black. <laughs> no, but um. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, but but seriously, like the makeup and all of that, the hair, like I could do without it. Oh, yeah. Like Kiss. That's an overly themed band. For oh, me. my gosh. That is a great example of a band where they are 
they're they're almost too much in character for me to really yes. appreciate. Now they have some. Believe it or not, I think I think even Kiss has turned into a guilty pleasure for some. Yes. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> but you know, I'm not knocking on them too hard because there are many people who like Kiss. Like Kiss is not. Oh yeah, they're not a bad band. It's just right. I'm not. I'm they're not, not even my a, thing. But they're no. not bad. No, no, they're kind of um. <laughs> they remind me of Twisted Sister. Their songs yeah, are. <laughs> there's another overly thing. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> no, Twisted Sister and Kiss have songs that. They, they're kind of memes to me. Now, if you watch Twisted Sister music videos, they're hilarious. And so they are. But yeah. We're it, not going to take it. That song is great. Right. <laughs> I love it. I mean, there's a reason why they use Twisted Sister's music for the SpongeBob movie. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So good. Speaking of memes, you know who's turning, for me anyway, into such a meme is Kid Rock. Oh, yes, he is. Yes, he is. I think no one, no <laughs> one realized just how like American patriot he is. And my dad starts being like, oh, man, listen to this song. This is awesome. And I'm like, oh, wow. I mean, yeah, I do agree with the message, but this is a little intense. And then my friend sends me another song. And just the opening line was the funniest <laughs> I'm going to pull it up. It was, I laughed out loud because I was like, well, I agree with him. It goes a little too far, but it's one of those things where like, I agree with him, but it's so intense and meme like it's, it's really funny. Anyway, let me see. We, the people, first of all, is the name of the song. That's a very ironic title, like in the kind of the, the sense that I would not name a song that. Yeah, well, he's also dressed like all in red, white, and blue. Someone's playing a red, white, and blue guitar. Like, it's iconic. I will say that right now. Yeah, he starts off his song with, We the people and all we do reserve the right to scream F you. And I literally, like, laughed out loud. I was like, oh What my did they God. say? Let's go Brandon afterwards? Yeah, that's in the song, too. I grew up conservative, so I'm allowed to make fun of conservatives. <laughs> I will make fun of conservatives while simultaneously being like, I get this. I'll be like, yeah, this is this is a little far. <laughs> but it's OK. I broke my not getting political rule um, anyway. <laughs> but you know what? Kid Rock is relevant to what we were talking about. I, yes, right. I, I, I do turning think. turning into a meme is really what it is. Yes, he definitely is. Yeah. He almost comes across as like. I both love and hate to trash on artists. Now, I don't like the trash on them as in their personal life. Oh, of course. Like, yeah. But I will trash on, let's use an artist that we've kind of said some positive things about. So we actually did say some positive things about Taylor Swift. Yeah. We did. But I thought Shake It Off was the corniest song ever. I also thought, a lot of tracks, even though I have said that this album is a good album, I do think it is. I still think that 1989 had some songs that I find absolutely tacky. In fact, I will trash on new Taylor Swift because I really liked her old music and mm. some of her more recent music. So there was like a middle part where I just, yeah, you know, like I was like, eh, I was like, no, I, I actually thought 1989 was just. It is a classic album in many ways. It was very relevant. I remember where it was played everywhere. I remember when that was the 
album at the time, but it also has most of Taylor's least, at least my least favorite tracks on on that album. Mm. I'm just not into it. That one, I don't, I'm not super familiar with it, unfortunately. I never listened to Taylor Swift at the time because whatever I heard by her, I didn't like. I like her so much more now, her like newest stuff. My thing with Taylor Swift, and it always kind of makes me laugh. Like for one, I appreciate that she writes her own music. Hardly anyone does. Well, more people are starting to, but still she was writing her own music in a time where no one was writing their own music. Everyone had writing teams. And Re- really um, quickly, going to give her some huge credit there. Mm-hmm. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I think she has a lot of good songwriting potential, but I listen to some of her lyrics sometimes. Like I'll be listening to a song. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Taylor. And then all of a sudden she comes out like with this really cheesy line and I'm like, oof. do better Taylor and that's just it's just her that's just like totally Taylor Swift like on the song lover she has that weird line where she's like ladies and gentlemen will you please stand and I'm like what does this have to do with anything oh my gosh sometimes I feel like she's like stuck in her country pop days Mm, which, okay. which, you know, okay. So I am being rude here, so forgive me, <laughs> but I am kind of laughing. Sorry, Taylor, I like you. <laughs> yeah, no, right, no, right. Get on the show, no, Taylor. She's done a lot of really cool stuff. I mean, why do you, Taylor? Why would you care about our opinions? Like we're we're poor compared to you, right? right. Well, also, <laughs> like everyone loves her. Like she's just gonna shake it off. What we say. Oh shake my it off, shake gosh! It off. Oh my Woo-hoo. gosh! <laughs> no, Taylor has no reason to even care about what we're talking. Right. At the same token. There were times where I kind of felt, okay, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, to be fair, we're music critics. This is what we do. But at the same token, yeah, like it just, it lost me in a lot of areas. But, you know, as I still haven't given all of her records, like a good even spin for each one, but I'm somewhat familiar with her evolution and she's definitely written songs I liked a lot. I didn't like every single song from her older days, but I did like a lot of stuff from her during Fearless. I thought she was a really charming artist and she has evolved so much. She's changed a lot. In fact, she also dealt with a lot of sexism. Mm, interesting. As I guess pretty much every other woman in the industry as well, in some shape or form. But she she dealt with some like sexist remarks from people. And so I have a lot of respect for that. Just kind of, you know, people talking about like things that just have nothing to do with the music, talking about her image and things like that. So, you know, what bothered me is I agreed with some of these people who are critical about her music. Like I agreed with how they felt. Like I felt like, yeah, I don't like it either. And then they would just kind of go on and attack her in really personal areas. And I'm like, that's not cool. They always kind of go off on a tangent. I think people often are trying to like build a case for why they don't like someone. But that's a bad way to build a case. And I noticed that that oh, is, is how most people build cases is they go yeah. personally. And yeah, it's the same stuff I did with Justin Bieber when I was little. I used to kind of like, you know, little personal attacks. But, you know, as I matured and got older, you know, hopefully I do. Right. Right. I started to realize like that's hypocritical. I wouldn't want someone doing it with me. I yeah, want to make sure that if I don't like an artist, it's purely based on the style yeah, or so- something just purely musical. I do have some exceptions. Again, if someone is promoting uh, drunkenness, 
I guess I, I can't really support that because sure. I don't know about you, but does drunkenness make good fathers and mothers? I, I don't know. Like, oh, I, I can vouch for the fact that it does not. <laughs> no, I think it's a logical reason for me not to be big on an artist or the drug use of a lot of artists that I actually do enjoy. I don't agree with the drug use and I don't agree with a lot of things when it comes to ethics and morals. Sure. But other than that, I'll try my best not to get personal when I'm talking about a negative about an artist. Yeah, it can be really hard not to. But that's something we need to practice. Yes. And I'll go on the record right now about Taylor Swift and say what I appreciate about her is, for one, she writes her own music and was writing her own music in a time where no one else was. She is such a kind, seems to me like such a kind-hearted person who really like loves her fans she does seem like that. She comes across as a very genuine artist to her fans. She doesn't seem like yes. an absolute jerk to me. Right. She doesn't seem like a jerk. And to me, I feel like I pick up on fakeness pretty quickly. And maybe I don't always, but I feel like sometimes I do. The impression I get is she seems really genuine. She seems down to earth, just kind of like, a normal quirky girl. Like she seems like she's being herself to me. Something she did on one of her albums. I don't remember what album it was, but like maybe the last track on the album, I could be getting some of the details wrong. She had some of the kids from some Canadian schools choir on it, playing like instruments and stuff. And she used the revenue from that song to give to that school's music program from what I remember. And I was like, oh, I can get down with that. That is, that's incredible. That gave me a very new appreciation for her. Assuming that she didn't do it solely for attention, that's something I really appreciate. Right. I'm always wary when artists do things like that, but I also don't want to condemn someone who really had good intentions. And so I don't want to condemn her if her intentions were still somewhat pure. You know, I think that's a really cool thing. Right. Oh, and the cool thing is that I don't know how publicized that fact was. I think I like was doing some digging on something else and found that out. Even better. Yeah. If you had to dig to find out, that's even better. That's a really cool thing, you know, because it feels like so many artists like to publicize their so-called good deeds. But once you publicize it, like. <laughs> right. So that's that's cool that she did that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was impressive. So, hey, Taylor, I may not like all your music, but I like you. I think you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, on to this, because this is exact. This was actually the point of this episode. We were totally supposed to get into Olivia Rodrigo more as well as Celine Dion. Rihanna. Oh, yeah. Celine Dion. Sure. We can kind of touch back on Rihanna, but we'll do like a little speed session. I mean, we're kind of getting back to the same time of older episodes. So this is going to be closer to an hour than most. The Rihanna tracks that I really connected with for sure were, I won't lie, it wasn't Love on the Brain. Everyone liked that one, wasn't big on it. But working in the studio and when I was interning as an assistant audio engineer, Love on the Brain was probably one of the most played songs by girls who would come into the studio wanting to track. Sure. Yeah, that was a, that was a big one. Funny. She is influential in that way. You know Michaela Phillips, right? 
Mm-mm. So she was a golden buzzer winner on America's Got Talent. Nice. I can't remember if it was her who did a cover of that track. And I played the backing track on piano so she could cover it. But it could have been someone else or it could have been both. But yeah, that, that's a really popular one among a lot of teen girls, actually. So that's for sure. Yeah, young girls love Rihanna for sure. I never really had a lot of girls sing Rihanna. I probably wouldn't have let them. I probably didn't have a ton of girls who could sing Rihanna. Mm -hmm. Something I appreciate about her vocally, she doesn't have my favorite voice. I don't hate it either. Like, I kind of enjoy it. What I enjoy about her vocally is that if I had a girl who could belt in that range, which I probably have a few, her songs would be pretty simple for some of my students to sing because they typically don't have a very large range. They're not like Ariana Grande where it's all over the place and she's going into whistle register or anything crazy like that. Good point. Yeah, they're very contained to maybe like half an octave, probably not even an octave, maybe an octave, but going lower and then topping off at mid like nothing crazy high. So she's very artistic within her seemingly limited dynamic range. Not saying that she is limited dynamically, but at least like in a way limiting herself or just for whatever reason, just being within that range, she does it very well. Is what you're saying. Yes. I, yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. It's contained, but it's not. And contained to me is good. It's not limited. It's contained is how I would put it. And maybe it is limited, but it comes across as contained. And that is good for for my students who would want to sing her and have the ability to belt a little bit higher than some other girls could. Like they could probably easily sing Rihanna, whereas I don't have very many students who could easily sing Ariana Grande. Oh, definitely. So I appreciate that having pop singers who I could use their music to give to students. That's always nice. Yeah, the one I always heard was Only Girl in the World. That one, yeah. Yeah, no, that that one was played around me a lot. So I remember that. That one goes a little higher, too, than some of her other ones. Yeah, that one does. It has a a much more open chorus. I'm not saying she hasn't had open choruses, but that one has that classic airy, big feel, you know. Yeah. This is unmistakably the chorus. And so there's a reason why that's one of her biggest tracks. That makes sense. Yeah, it's a little different than like Umbrella, like where Umbrella stays in a very, very limited range for both the verse and the chorus. There's not a lot of change. Rihanna takes a lot from, if I may say this, from Alicia Keys. Oh, interesting. I don't know enough about Alicia. Well, you should. She's amazing. I I know I should. (laughs) (laughs) She's not my favorite. I don't like her voice a whole lot. I know she plays piano. I like super appreciate that. I think it's just not my style of music is what it is. And that's why I don't know a lot about her. But I like that she plays piano. That's super cool. Oh, my gosh. What's that song that everybody? Oh, this girl is on fire. That's pretty classic. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Not my favorite, but it's classic. So people know this by now for sure about me. I'm not I'm just not big on stuff like that. I am a band guy. and so. Sure. It's just a taste, but I can appreciate the styles. I can analyze them and I can come up with 
really good things to say about something, even if I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, it depends on what it is, but let's talk about this, for example. I could find many great things about this area of music. Um, some things are not redeemable under absolute garbage, but you're just going to have <laughs> to let that bother you. What could it be? So I'm not going to say that necessarily just yet. But so far, I would say most of what we talked about on the show, I could say something really positive about it. Mm-hmm. So Celine Dion, she's not necessarily my favorite. Mm-hmm. She has this, she has this, okay, obviously because she did things for Titanic. But I think the reason why she even did things for Titanic, she just has a soundtracky type vibe to her music. Mm. Yes, it's kind of big and theatrical. I was just about to say that. I was trying to not use the word classical too much, but theatrical is a great way to put it. Almost sounds like, not like on the level of Queen musical sound. Right, no, different, yeah. But there's a musical-esque sound to her music that is present. Not more soundtracky than musical, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. She is, you know what, I say she's one of my favorites, but I don't even listen to a lot of her music, but I think she's one of my favorites just because she's so classic vocally. She's one of those quintessential power belters, but I think a little more soundtracky than a lot of the other power belters. I think that's a good way to put it. I actually watched the music video. Me and my one of my best friends watched it together. And we were like, this is so weird, but it's so good. And we almost cried because it was so good. She sang Memory from Cats. Um, and that is... <laughs> speaking of guilty pleasure, but that's a great song. Like, that is No, a- no. I'm not even hating on the song. I just, just remember when that... Well, it still is. But when that movie was memed to death. Oh, the movie was horrendous. The movie, we should spend a whole podcast talking about that movie because I could, I could rant about it for a whole podcast. Well, then I'm going to have to to torture myself watching it so we could talk on it. It's so bad. Me and my, me and my other best friend, Karen watched it. Oh no. We like, (laughs) because that's our favorite musical, both of us. And we were like, we know this is going to be bad but we have to watch it. And the whole time we were literally just sitting there looking at it really confused with our mouths, just kind of open, like what's going on. Like it was, it was so bad. It was all bad. I have almost nothing good to say about that movie. I kind of want to watch it with a group of people and just, Oh, you have to. You have to. Don't watch it by yourself. That's just depressing. But watch yeah, it with like, like It's like watching a scary movie by yourself. I don't know how people do that. I, I, I like to watch these movies to see the reactions of other people. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, what's the point? Right. But yeah, she did Memory from Cats, which is a very difficult song. And oh my gosh, she just sounded so beautiful. Me and my friend Fran were like, almost in tears. We're like, she's so good. Here's where the weird part comes in. She totally dresses up as a cat and we're like, what a weirdo. Like it was just a weird music video. It was very bizarre, but she has a great voice. I think what makes her such a good belter is that she has a very forward, very forward tone, almost nasally, not in a gross way though. Right. Because belting is borderline nasally. It has to be in order to do it properly. 
borderline, not full on. And she just has that perfect placement for belting, which allows her to go high into her belt so well. It's amazing. She's one of the best. Absolutely one of the best. So despite cat shaming her, we really <laughs> like what she did. And I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it was a little bit of a bizarre like music video. We were like, this is strange. Like that's what it was. It was bizarre, but she sounded amazing. Now I'll tell you what she cannot sing is classical music. And she's tried before. And that's just, that's just the that's way it is. That's just, yeah, that's just... That's just the way it is. Oh, I want to talk about Bruce Hornsby. He's one of my favorites. Okay. I found that music so corny and tacky as a kid. And now I'm in love with that. Late 80s, early, mostly late 80s. You know, music that would be in like Oliver and Company. Like that, That uh, what was it? Oh, Huey Lewis and the News. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Huey Lewis and the News, uh, Billy Joel and Bruce Hornsby. I love Billy Joel. It's so, so good. Billy Joel is awesome. So let's talk on that next episode, but let's do Olivia really quickly. Okay. So did you listen to Sour? I have not listened to the whole album, but I've heard a couple tracks off of it. Like I heard Driver's License. That's the first one I heard. And I was not expecting much because I hear about these pop singers from my students and I'm like, (laughs) they're not going to be good. And then I listen and I was like, oh, wow, this girl actually has a really good voice. Like, I thought the song was cheesy, but, like, she has a good voice. And then from then on, the more I heard songs by her, because I had several students wanting to do her songs, I was like, oh, this girl's actually really good. Oh, like, she's actually really, really good. Turns out, oh, Olivia Rodrigo is Filipino. From what I know of the Filipino culture, they love, love to sing. That's very valuable to them. She took voice lessons as a little girl, and you can tell. Her voice is very balanced. She has an amazing belt. It doesn't sound strained. She has such a good sense of, like, style, too, in her voice. Her her vocal style is just really good, where it's healthy, but it's, um, yeah, it's great. She's really good. And she has one song, I think it was the first song on the Sour album, something about like it's brutal out there or something like that. I think it's called Brutal. Yeah. Yeah, Brutal. It's very punk. For the record, by the way, really quick note, Bella Porch is Filipina as well. So I don't know who that is. That's okay. We'll get back to that another time. Okay. But yeah, no, it's it's definitely got a punk vibe to it. That Yep. So one song that reminded me of was it was from Foster the People's sophomore release in 2014, Supermodel. I'll I'll pull it up. But that one totally sounded like it. Now, I'm not saying that Olivia listened to that. Okay, so it's A Beginner's Guide to Destroying the Moon. That album was a sleeper album. No one listened to that album. I remember they were big at Torches. And then I thought everyone was going to jump on the Supermodel train. And no one did. Yeah. So like. Foster the people just totally went under. No one really listens to them. And that's okay. I, I like them. Yeah. But yeah, it reminded me of that song from Supermodel. And so I don't even know if Olivia even listens to that album. But if she did, I totally heard where she got that from. Oh, nice. But no, that that chromatic walk down 
was, you know, I've heard it a lot in punk, but I, I liked it. I thought that was cool. I think it was actually a decent opening track because I like Metric a lot. I'm obsessed with Metric. So I think I heard elements of Metric in there. Mm. I totally heard elements of Hole in the record. And it's not just because of that controversy that Olivia ripped off Hole's, I think it's Live for This. That's from 1994. That is, so Hole is my guilty pleasure. This is a perfect conclusion. Hole is my guilty pleasure. I love that band. Now, I don't, again, like, I'm not big on Courtney Love, but I love her songwriting. I love their style. They are super controversial because every Nirvana head hates them. But I'm one of those people where they kind of coexist in my mind. Like, you know what? I like Nirvana and I really like Hole. Now, Nirvana for sure is a favorite band of mine. Sure. And Hole isn't up there, but Live, is it Live? No, I think it's Live Through This. I think that's the actual name of the album. Let me just check that for sure. Yeah, it's not Live For This. It is Live Through This. So that correction was correct. And the first wave was incorrect. That's such a good record. Easily in my top 100 albums. Maybe in my top 50, but definitely in my top 100. That one's great. I also like Celebrity Skin from 1998. But bottom line, yeah, I could totally tell that Olivia was channeling Hole through that record. Mm. So they're really good. I also heard The Breeders. I heard Pixies. Nice. I heard Lana Del Rey, obviously. I love Lana Del Rey. Lord, who didn't hear Lord, who also didn't hear those Billie Eilish-esque uh, harmonies throughout the record. You can kind of hear that. Mm. She doesn't sound exactly like Billie, but she does have a lot of Eilish-esque singing throughout the record. And people like that, I imagine she was influenced by. Absolutely. Because that would be more her counterparts or more like people she was listening to along the way. It's possible she listened to those punk bands, but it's also possible that um, because I think she writes her own stuff, but probably the musicians were coming up with some influences themselves, like helping her with musicality or not musicality, musical things. And it's possible that they were influenced by those things. Who knows? I guess there's a plethora of options. <laughs> no, there are a plethora of options. Yeah. But yeah, no, she she had, it had a pretty indie flavor. I wouldn't say this was, it was an alternative. Okay, it technically is an alternative album because again, things evolve. And to be fair, Billy has kind of struck the alternative area as well. I would agree. It's different than what it used to be. I don't think they are, quote unquote, as alternative as Meg Myers. But I still think that they are alternative. And I think Sour is probably more alternative in nature than anything that Lord or Billie Eilish has done, even though I would say Billie's last record from last year, Happier Than Ever, there were some alternative rock elements put throughout some parts of that record. And it was actually pretty interesting. So we can talk about that another time. But yeah, Sour had... I don't know if you ever listened to Courtney Barnett. Um, but yeah, they have that in there because Courtney kind of talks like this in her songs. She she does Bob Dylan-esque type singing, if you could even call it that. Uh-huh. Which is why I even mentioned Pixies because stylistically it's similar, but like that sporadic. I heard just a little bit. So Sour wasn't super bold. I won't lie. It wasn't like this completely different thing. Sure. But I think what Sour did was it was along the train tracks of where we're going, where it sounded like your average person just going on land that's already been treaded down to make a path. And I'm not meaning that as an insult. I'm just saying 
it was a pretty familiar record from front to back. Hmm. Of course, the controversial good for you, because everyone said that that sounded like a ripoff of Paramore's misery business. I could hear it, but I think when I first listened to it, and I am obsessed with Riot because I love that album. That's in my top 50 records. I love Paramore. It's one of my favorite bands of all time. I didn't really pick up on that first, not because I can't hear it, because I can totally hear it, but I could also not hear it. You know, I can actually tune out the Paramore in it. I do hear Paramore, but I can actually tune it off. And knowing me, that's really hard to do because I typically, like I just gave you like eight or 10 artists just from one album. Like I can do that really quickly, but I was able to turn off Paramore when I listened to Sour. And so I think some people got too crazy about it, but for what it's worth, Olivia ended up crediting a ton of people. And so I think she ended up giving up some royalties to other artists for that reason. And one of them was Paramore. So that's that. But my last note, Jealousy, Jealousy, I think that's the last track. And that one totally sounds like Boy. Do you listen to Boy? I have heard that one. Wait. Yes, I think I have heard that one, but I don't remember it enough. So those were like the uh, the Sari, the Sari, the Sarah Barrielles days. Barrielles? Oh, Sarah Barrielles. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot how to say her name, but the Sarah... Is it Burrell's? Is that how you say it? I think so. That's how I've always heard it anyway. You could be right too. That's okay. Bottom line, it's the... Oh, even Regina Spector, like the piano-fronted pop. It's not like industrial pop, but it, it, it is pop. It's pop rock, actually, with piano. And so I think of Tegan and Sarah. I think of Regina Spector. I think of Sarah Burrell's. And I also think of Boy. Hmm. And so Jealousy, Jealousy, the last track of Sour had a lot of that energy. Okay. So it's kind of familiar. In fact, that to me, and I know Brutal was this and Good For You was this. And I think it was another track that was like this. But Jealousy, Jealousy was to me in a way the most indie song off of that record. Because everything else didn't really sound, Brutal sounded probably the most indie Good For You still had a lot of mainstream appeal that I didn't really consider it as indie, but it did have some indie elements. But I think Brutal and Jealousy Jealousy for sure are the most indie tracks on that record, not including some of the other tracks on the album where you just, you know, backed by acoustic guitar or by acoustic piano, Mm. which you could consider that really indie because it's stripped down, right? Right. But as far as like a band setting is, Jealousy Jealousy was one of those tracks where I was like, okay, this is pretty indie, you know? Mm-hmm. And it sounds just like the previous four artists I just mentioned. Yeah. And I think what you said about like, it's not like it was super bold and doing something new. It's kind of going along where the industry is going. I think like it probably sounds more bold than it is because it's still different from what is the mainstream. So it's almost like, it's pushing the limits a little bit. It's pushing the limits enough while not doing anything that hasn't been done before. But then again, that's that's really what music is. I mean, I don't know that we are ever going to see a huge revolution again, musically, like we did going from blues to rock, where after that, there was so much branching out that could possibly be done. I don't think there is that anymore. I think we have come to a point where it's all been done and now it's going to repeat. I think 
my 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 music nerd agrees with you, and then my optimistic side says that we'll still be coming up with what we've been doing forever, which is taking old ingredients and rehashing it in a new way. Sure. I can see that. But I but see, so you can't agree with that. But what I'm saying is what you just said within the context of what you're saying, I agree with you 100%. You are right about that. And that's just kind of like an educated speculation. We don't really know for sure. It's not like a guarantee. Yeah, who knows? Maybe, I mean, maybe there is something completely new that could happen. I right. mean, but I lean toward that it. sentiment though. <laughs> I do lean toward the sentiment you said previously. Yeah, and I do think that even just the ability to take old ingredients and rehash them in a new way, that's still an awesome level of creativity that I totally appreciate. Yes, and that is and has been going on. And I don't really see that stopping until God decides to destroy the earth. So that's that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Flee the wrath to come, guys. Oh, gosh. No, really repent. Yeah. But yeah. No, Christina, thanks for being on here. <laughs> but we'll uh, we'll be with you again next week. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, thanks for tuning in to the Work Tip Podcast. You guys have a great rest of your day. Christina, we will catch base. <laughs> catch base. We will catch bases. We will catch up <laughs> later. <laughs> and we'll touch base later. <laughs> Sounds good. Catching bases. You have a good one. You too.